Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John. You can find it on page 114 in the New Testament portion of your Pew Bible. Those of you worshiping with us online, the words will appear for you on the screen. For those of you who were present here last Sunday, they will sound familiar because we're starting at the same place, but now offering the final words of that scene as we begin with the 28th verse of the 19th chapter. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for the accounts that we have of your son in those final minutes. And for the ways his words from that time continue to speak to us. We pray that in this gathering, on this day, that we might hear the message that you intend for us to hear. And that we then might be equipped by that same spirit to respond in ways that bring you glory and honor. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is finished. Those words mark the last ones that Jesus speaks from the cross in the Gospel of John. This is the third of those occasions when somehow, in the midst of the excruciating pain of the crucifixion, Jesus was still able to speak. And after this very last word, the Gospel writer tells us that then Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. During the season of Lent, we have been focusing on those phrases from Jesus known as the last seven words of Jesus. Next Sunday, we will appropriately turn to hear the first words that he spoke on that Easter morning. And yet on this Palm Sunday, Long after the joy and triumph of his entry into Jerusalem, we listen in as Jesus says, it is finished. It is the final word in that final statement that is most clear to us. Finished, complete, achieved. It is certainly an appropriate final word for Jesus to offer before breathing his last. And yet what we don't know is what he meant by the word it, as in it is 
finished. And all kinds of possibilities have been suggested for us. Presbyterian minister and New Testament professor Dale Bruner suggests four possibilities. When teaching this finished in class, he writes, I like to draw and to give to the four beams of the cross what I could think are four of the main meanings of Jesus's final word. The great reconciliation of the world with God, the great reality of truth in history, the great revelation of the love of God to the world, or the great rout of the devil for the believers. These are all great deeds, Bruner says. Soon God will set his seal of approval on them and on Jesus's substitutionary death by his confirming resurrection. All of those interpretations are certainly possible. And perhaps there are others that you have of what that word, it, means. Yet since I went on record in my sermon last week of saying that we can't know the mind of Christ with absolute certainty, I'm not going to identify any one of those possibilities as the answer. And instead, we'll use our time here this morning to linger with that other two-letter word in that final phrase, is, when he said, it is finished. I suspect that most of you glid right over that word in its reading. That was my reaction when I focused on it before today, too. But then I began exploring more and learned something significant about it that is worth our pondering. Some of you will remember from your study of English and other languages that there's something called the perfect tense that refers to things happening in the future. It is the same Del Bruner who says of this phrase, is finished, that it's in the perfect tense, which means a past act with continually present tense force. I went looking online to find a little confirmation of what he said and learned that Dr. Bruner might have been more precise if he had referred to it as the perfect progressive tense or the perfect continuous tense. And you are welcome to use his insights to impress your friends at lunch today. For the real purpose of Jesus in speaking those words, was not to have grammatical precision, but to speak of how this past act, his death, has a continuing force now and in the future. Let me give you an example of that. Stories told of time years ago when a five-year-old boy named Johnny couldn't go to church on Palm Sunday because he had a sore throat. A neighbor stayed with the child at home so that his family could go. An hour or so later, when everyone came back in, they were all carrying palm branches. And Johnny asked, why? His older brother said, they waved them over Jesus' head when he walked by. 
And upon hearing that, Johnny fumed as he said, wouldn't you know it, the one Sunday I don't go to church, he shows up. <laughs> Part of what I like about the innocence of his answer is that he certainly missed the point that his family had been celebrating a past event. And yet at the same time, he was pointing to the possibility of continuing power even then. That's what Jesus was proclaiming when he said, it is finished. And even the crucifixion itself demonstrated that trait in regards to our Old Testament lesson. For those words from Isaiah were written four centuries before Jesus was born. And they contain for us the last of what is called the servant songs. In, in my Bible, the footnote is that this particular one is the announcement of the exaltation of the servant of the Lord. And if you read ahead, you will find that in fact, this servant does triumph and is celebrated by God. The part that we read though, speaks of what was happening to him before that final event. For Isaiah says, he was despised and rejected by others. A man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. The prophet tells of one who was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. It's likely when Isaiah wrote those words, he had in mind a restored Israel as a nation after the exile. Others surmised that when he wrote those words, he was thinking about a leader from Israel's past, maybe Moses or a king who had died. As Christians, we clearly hear these words as pointing to the life and the suffering and the death of Jesus. Given that, it's possible that when Jesus said, it is finished, he was referring to this prophecy of it being completed now in his death. And yet at the same time, he was demonstrating that that past act continue to have present power and you and I know moments like that too for think of a happy marriage that has lasted for decades it began with words spoken on a wedding day years before and yet the power of that past act lives on or think about a key vocational shift someone made and how it resulted in a long career of happiness and the use of her gifts and how it started in the moment when she accepted that job all those years before. Or think of a lifelong friend, one that was met in kindergarten and the relationship that endures to one's golden years. That past act, too, continues to have power in the present.
Certainly, those kinds of events can be of a negative quality, too. An untimely death or an injury. Loss of a job or divorce. Those kinds of events from the recent or distant past can continue to have an impact on individuals' lives long after the event occurred, and thus it leads to some hard work to help overcome that event from the past. Jesus, though, was speaking about a positive impact of his death upon the church and all who would profess faith in the years to come. And we give thanks for that continuing power of that moment from the first century. For whether we understand the it to refer to the reconciliation of the world, overcoming the power of the evil, fulfilling the prophecy or something else, we still rely upon the continuing power of that gift today. For when we grieve the innocent deaths of those individuals killed at a Christian school in Nashville, we are reminded that the power of evil has not yet been defeated. When we lament the tone of discourse by legislators or our school board, we recognize that reconciliation has not been completed. We have times today when we see that the world is not yet what Jesus intended it to be. And when we hear of how there's a declining influence of religion in general and Christianity in particular in our land, we know that that good news has not yet fully taken hold. In our culture, in the face of those kinds of realities, persons can be inclined to say, it is what it is. And yet, as people of faith, we know that that event of long ago is meant to continue to shape us and this world. And we also know that as the church, we are imperfect in carrying out that task. True story is told of a seminarian who went to work one summer in a school, at a church in Maine. That congregation had a sanctuary laid out like ours with a center aisle. And when the seminarian got up at the start of the service on that first Sunday, she was caught off guard to see that the entire congregation was sitting over on the left. And she thought that was kind of odd, but she got used to it and went on in the service until late in the service, that entire group got up and moved over to the right and sat down. And she was, of course, completely befuddled by what was happening. Afterwards, a longtime member took her aside and said, years ago, we used to have a potbelly stove in our sanctuary. 
And on those cold winter mornings before the sanctuary had heated up, we'd all sit over on that side. But as the service would continue, it would get too hot to stay next to the stove. And so we would move to the other side of the sanctuary. And we didn't want to do that in an undignified fashion. So, so we decided that we would wait until the moment of doxology. And then we would move to the other side of the sanctuary. We got rid of that pot-bellied stove years ago, she said. But we liked that tradition and decided to keep it. <laughs> Jesus died many, many years ago. And the impact of his death is meant to be far more significant than maintaining some traditions that have lost their original purpose. For our calling in all moments is to rely upon and to act upon his love as we seek yet to overcome evil in all its forms. Our task, in the face of what appear to be intractable problems, is to continue to draw upon his compassion and truth as we seek to address those realities. Our calling is to understand that the crucifixion is not simply one event that we recall on Good Friday, but rather that that deed that was completed in the first century is meant to continue to shape and empower all that we do. For while the world might say, it is what it is, as people of faith, our response is to say, it is not yet what it will be. Which is why on this day we give thanks for those words spoken from a cross long ago and from the certainty of how that gift continues to empower us. Even as we wait for the day when he returns to creation and in that moment be able to say again, it is finished. Let us pray. We remain humbled, O oh God, by the sacrifice you made in allowing your Son to die for us. We pray that as we continue through this week, that we will ponder and celebrate that gift anew for its reminder of how you are still at work and how you still call us to change creation that it might resemble ever more clearly what you intended from the beginning. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.